So we are recording now. Ah! <laughs> fuck. What the fuck? What was that? I don't know. You Everybody said we're recording now. And you you screamed? Yeah. Alright. I'm keeping that in. That's gonna have to end credits. Congratulations, you got the end credits. Yeah, you fucking woke me up. Yeah, everyone wake what? up. Yeah, it's all <laughs> 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 All right. Um, oh, go ahead. No, I'm just saying. Um, if there's any problem with me, let me know because I am working on a, a different. Oh, how much usual. fucking time do you have, Walter? How much time do I have? I could tell you what's wrong with it. No, I'm just playing. Oh, <laughs> we'll save that for next week. <laughs> <laughs> just have a therapy episode. Uh, it's it's in the schedule for next year, actually. But. Hell uh. <laughs> I want to like make it more personal. Anyway, we'll get to all that. All right. <clears throat> Let's get started. everyone welcome back to the murder board podcast this is a civil trials a discussion show for the murder board podcast i'm your host walter and tonight i am here with a another full panel we're gonna go down the line here we're starting with gavin gavin's back you're all right and shelton hello and xander hello and zaria hi and tonight we will be discussing the hateful eight so if you haven't seen this film this is your spoiler warning and if you have i hope you enjoy our little show here welcome back to the podcast everyone welcome back to tarantino land there's a lot to discuss so i am going to keep this intro very brief but um i do want to say this marks um you know i like to i like i'm a very uh reflective person i would like to say especially around this time of year people are always you know hyped up on christmas and everything i look forward to new year's because i like looking at reflecting and all that jazz and every year for as long as we've done the podcast, when it comes down to like the last five episodes, I start to ask everyone who comes on for these final episodes how they felt about the season and how they felt about the podcast. Um, I did it with Corey, and uh, we didn't really get the chance to talk about it, uh, me, Roderick, and Javon, when we did Blue Velvet. But I did want to bring you guys here because this is probably the most unique group we've had on this podcast here. I've been very excited all week just to have, yeah, my two newbies and my two long timers um so i am going to start with gavin and xander here gavin you're going first you joined us very early uh in the summer with euphoria and now you've done what four episodes uh four or five um i may be exaggerating this is the fourth gotcha so yeah just how how does it feel to be a part of this podcast here and we mean gone through a whole entire year a whole season it's it's pretty cool. I think one of only one of the four have been um, either TV shows or movies that I've seen before. So <clears throat> it's given me, I mean, even though it's only been three of them, it's given me a reason to go back and rewatch movies that I like. Um, and then, you know, just having the, the platform to sit and talk about movies with people that, you know, because there's not as many people in my life that have seen these movies as I'm sure with a lot of, a lot of people on the podcast. So it's cool to just be able to talk about them with people that have are also interested in the same movies and stuff like that. 
All right, all right. And yeah, just to give a little, a little refresher on Gavin here, he joined me and Shelton for Euphoria back when uh, that was pretty much trending every week. Uh, very fun episode to listen to. Uh, we we got into a lot there. Um, after that, you came back for another Western, actually. You came back for one of my favorites. Uh, if, can I remember the title? It was, uh, <laughs> it's a long one. Yeah. Okay, hold on. Let me see if I can remember it just off the off the top of the dome here. It's uh, 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 Jesse James. And, uh-huh. and the Okay, I got it. The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford. There it is. There you uh, go. Yeah. Joined me and Zarya uh, for yeah. that one. Honestly, one of my favorite episodes to listen to just because that conversation was just it was a it was a perfect mix of just funny while also us giving like actual opinions. I like I don't know why I just like thinking about that movie and that going back and mm-hmm. listening to that episode helps. It helps the experience for me. So I hope it does the same for you guys and people who listen and go back and listen. Um, After that, <laughs> Red Dragon, where um, we go from, uh, you know, murderous cowboys to horny serial killers um <laughs> i feel like gavin you've just been brought on for any of my favorite movies because <laughs> i also love red dragon for possibly all the wrong reasons so they've been good so far yeah and now we're back here and talking some good old tarantino uh, the bloodiest yes, all right moving over to xander xander also joined us pretty early in the summer um first of all i i remember approaching xander I don't know how we got into the conversation, but as soon as you mentioned Doctor Strange, I was like, well, let me see if I can just mine this child <laughs> for this podcast. And luckily, he decided to, to agree, and he joined us for uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, took a bit of a break after that, but recently he joined us again for The Shining, and now he's back for some Tarantino. Xander, how does it feel to be a part of this podcast and being a part of this very long and honestly exciting season i'm honored it's been fun it's it's been a a good reason to kind of catch up on movies i've i've been behind on because i'm behind on quite a few movies (laughs) like a few classics and stuff so it's it's good absolutely yeah like i said it's it's been really fun having both of you guys here um you guys in my opinion, you guys have such unique voices, and that comes with very unique opinions, and it's I feel has helped elevate this podcast. So again, thank you again for agreeing to do this. Um, it's it, yeah, you're honored. I'm honored as well. Um, my two long timers, Shelton, Zaria. I can't forget about you guys. I said this. I said this in a post in our Discord, but I feel like you guys, including Solo, have definitely been like the stars and Roderick have been the stars of this podcast. I feel like whenever you guys are on, especially us as a collective um, in these longer episodes, we get we we tend to get a lot of numbers in, and I, f- I have to, f- I just have to think it's because of you guys and your voices. Starting with Zarya here, how has it been, how has season four for you been? You know, you've done tons of movies. I won't even go down the line of how many you've been on because you've been <laughs> on a lot, and I can't remember them all. <laughs> This season's been pretty cool. There's, um, it's been more movies that I have not seen, so it made me like go out of my comfort zone and what I'm used to. While I haven't liked all of them, I do appreciate watching all of what I did, uh, what I was like on for watching all of those. It did make me appreciate the movie at least. 
So yeah, so I I like season four. It's cool. It's been fun. All right. Yes, I know. Uh, a while back, me and you were talking, or you came to me actually and said that our episodes that we did this year are possibly some of the funniest, including yes. uh, uh, the one that always comes to mind is April Fool's Day. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. <laughs> very fun episode um yeah just it's just been a really wild ride again i think of i think of april fool's day for you this year i also think of red dragon because that was just a funny conversation but um we've got we got some pretty good ones in there uh shifting over to shelton 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 <laughs> what what about, what are your thoughts how does how does uh season four feel for you you know i feel like you've seen a lot of movies this year that you haven't seen before that's every year <laughs> Every year, dude, you show me so many movies. Some of them are amazing. Others, I just can't wrap my fucking head around. And for whatever reason, maybe it's because you woke me up for this, but I can't stop thinking about the fact that you made me watch fucking Blood Rage a second time in person (laughs) with a bunch of other people that hated it just as much as I did. Uh, But it was glorious, wasn't it? Yeah, Blood Rage, flashback to season three. Yeah, season three. I love already got to feel my pain. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's it's not cranberry sauce, and I feel like that's a, a message we should get out there to the people. It, it's not cranberry sauce. Um, but yeah. <laughs> random posts. Twitter, Instagram, whatever the fuck. Random posts. This is like, it's not cranberry sauce. <laughs> Please <I> will... stop. <laughs> I will say, Sheldon, I feel like we've done a lot of, when it comes to you and your episodes this season, the ones I think about are definitely ones that you have surprised me on i think you've probably recommended the most out of this year well with the exception of halloween kills i think you were mostly okay with the halloween movies that we recently did Correct. i actually like the new trilogy a bit yeah it's pretty good and um can't forget about um earlier the, again earlier in the summer me you zaria and hector we did uh prisoners which i re-listened to it and you guys seem pretty good on it i i was surprised prisoners was a fucking wild ride yeah <laughs> angry hugh jackman and viola davis were married yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> that's how you started off the conversation actually <laughs> but, <laughs> Um, if we, I don't take anything away from that movie, that's what I took away. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, uh, one that also came to mind is that I completely forgot we did this, but Resident Evil, we did the first Resident Evil a while back uh, this year, and uh, just can't stop thinking about how she kicked the dog in the face. And we really spent like, <laughs> talking about that one scene. But yeah, it's been a pretty good year. I, I've enjoyed it, and I hope it sounds like you guys have enjoyed it. I hope everyone else has enjoyed it. But like I said, I need to keep this short. So we are going to take our first break, and then we're going to dive right into the movie facts on The Hateful Eight. That's far as I got. How am I doing? <laughs> You're a real imaginative nigga, Angel. So, do you intend to murder me based on a far-fetched nigger theory? What can you promise, cabron? <laughs> it ain't so far-fetched, Senor Bob. And it's a little bit more than a theory. How long you say you've been working for a minute? Four months. Hmm. See. 
If you would have been here two and a half years ago, you'd know about that sign used to hang up over the bar. Many mentioned that to you? No. You want to know what that sign says, Senor Bob? No dogs or Mexicans allowed. <laughs> now, Minnie hung that sign up the day she opened this haberdashery. And it hung over that bar every day till she took it down a little over two years ago. You know why she took it down? She started letting in dogs. Now, many like just about everybody, but she sure don't like Neskins. So when you tell me many went to the north side to visit her mama, well, I find that highly unlikely. But okay, maybe. But when you tell me Minnie Mink took the haberdashery, the most precious thing to her in the whole world, and left it in the hands of a goddamn Mexican, well, that's what I meant in the barn when I said that sure don't sound like Minnie. Now, I am calling you a liar, Senor Bob. And if you lying, which you are, then you killed many. And three days. Four measly bullets, and there goes Senor Bob. That still don't get us no closer to which one of y'all poisoned the call. Okay, we're back. Here are the facts on The Hateful Eight. It was released December 25th, 2015, directed by Quentin Tarantino. Screenplay by Quentin Tarantino. The film stars Samuel L. Jackson, Kurt Russell, Jennifer Jason Lee, Walton Goggins, Damian Bashir, Tim Roth, Michael Madsen, Bruce Dern, James Parks, and Channing Tatum with Quentin Tarantino as the narrator, if you guys didn't catch that. And the plot goes as such. While racing towards the town of Red Rock in post-Civil War Wyoming, bounty hunter John the Hangman Ruth and his fugitive prisoner encounter another bounty hunter and a man who claims to be a sheriff. Hoping to find shelter from a blizzard, the group travels to a stagecoach stopover located on a mountain pass Greeted by four other strangers, the eight travelers soon learn that they may not make it to their destination after all. The budget for the film was between 44 to $62 million, and the box office was $156.6 million. Some bonus facts here. This is a pretty interesting story surrounding this film. Um, so Tarantino announced this film in November of 2013. Uh, he conceived it as a novel and then a sequel to the 2012 film Django Unchained. Um, but then after a while, he decided to just make it its own standalone film. But unfortunately, uh, after he just a month after writing the first draft, he the script got leaked online, and that was in January of 2014. So he decided to abandon the project and publish it as a novel instead. 
but it was in uh, April of 2014, Tarantino decided to do a live reading of the script at the uh, United Artists Theaters in Los Angeles with this cast that we have on screen, with the same cast. They got together, they got on stage and did a live reading of the script, uh, drunk, but that's an important detail. But after it was after that, he reconsidered and decided to resume the project, and thus The Hateful Eight was made. Um, this movie did go on to be nominated for three Oscars and winning one. Uh, it was nominated for Best Original Score, Best Supporting Actress for Jennifer Jason Lee, and Best Cinematography. It didn't win for Best Supporting Actress. That went to Alicia Vikander for The Danish Girl. And it also lost uh, Best Cinematography. That went to Emmanuel Lombowski for The Revenant. If you remember that year, The Revenant won the Oscar for uh, Best Lead Actor for Leonardo DiCaprio. So that's your connection. Um, but this movie did win the Oscar for Best or best Original Score, which is funny because the score of this movie, and uh, for people who know your John Carpenter, uh, the, the score from this movie is made up of snippets of unused music from John Carpenter's The Thing. And it's the same Wow. Composer. Nice. So if you go, if you, you know, listen to movie scores or you just want to look it up, if you look at the entire thing soundtrack, there are snippets of unused tracks. You know, John Carpenter likes to use synth music, but he'll have some orchestral stuff in there. All the orchestral stuff was um, lifted essentially from what was not used in the thing. And Quentin Tarantino being the, uh, what do we, the sampler that he is for music and movies took that got the original guy this the same uh music composer who did that movie did this movie and said yeah just add what you didn't use in and then create something out of that so yeah most of the big elements a lot of the big scenes of this movie is just unused music from the thing that is exactly what i was thinking i was thinking it sounded like the thing and i was like no i'm just crazy because it's got (laughs) dude in it it's you know kurt russell but no okay <laughs> yeah yeah it's very if it's if it came from a movie and it's in a tarantino movie it, it it's very deliberate it's kind of the first thing you should know <laughs> but yeah i just think that's fun and yeah kurt russell is in this movie classic the thing uh go back and listen to our episode of the thing shelton was very very happy for that movie he really likes that movie we're gonna take our last break here and then we're gonna get into the hateful eight gunshots <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Got room for one more? They call him the hangman. When the handbill says dead or alive, the rest of us just shoot you in the back and up on top of perch somewhere and bring you in dead over a saddle. But when John Roof the hangman catches you, you hang. Get in, boys! This here is Daisy Domergue. She's wanted dead or alive for murder. When that sun comes out, I'm taking this woman to hang. Is there anybody?
everybody here committed to stopping me from doing that. Well, well, well. Looks like Minnie's haberdashery is about to get cozy for the next few days. Yes, it does. One of them fellas is not what he says he is. Move a little strange, you're gonna get a bullet. Not a warning, not a question. A bullet. So we're back. Let's talk about the hateful eight. Like we start off every podcast, we're going to begin with our overall thoughts. Um, just because there's a lot of us, we're going to round table it, and I might just you know switch it back and forth. But either way, Gavin, you're going to kick us off here. Overall thoughts on watching the hateful eight for this podcast? Hey, I mean, it's a Quentin Tarantino film. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I granted, given recent events, this analogy will not make as much sense but i've said for a long time that quinn tarantino is like the kanye of directors which i know that it makes less sense after the past <laughs> couple of months but um, <laughs> i just feel like it's one of those things like you could go through you could watch a quentin tarantino movie and think it was like not good at all but i feel like you'd still have to sit there and be like yeah but i mean it was still a quentin tarantino movie you know what i'm saying like i loved this movie but there were definitely a like I have complaint. I probably have more complaints about this movie than a lot of other Tarantino films, just on like the shot length and just you know how long and drawn out some of these shots were. But I mean, at the end of the day, I mean it's a it's a Quentin Tarantino movie. It's obviously good, you know, good story. I you can't have a bad actor in a Quentin Tarantino movie. So I mean, yeah, I liked it. It was pretty good. All right, all right, Shelton. I believe this is your second Tarantino movie that you've seen ever, right? Yeah, this and Pulp Fiction <laughs> that I can think of. All right, overall thoughts, go. I never stopped remembering that it was a Quentin Tarantino movie just because, like, it feels like his style is just so blatant that you can't help but be reminded throughout the entire thing that, yep, he made this movie. <laughs> and even though this is, like, more of a direct, ongoing story, it's still, like, with the, the jumping back and forth in time and stuff like that. It was pretty undeniable. It's like, yeah, yeah, he definitely made this. It was a wild ride, though, just like Pulp Fiction was. And Xander, what about you? This is probably my favorite of his movies that I've seen, Um, which I don't know how much that's saying because I don't love, like, I like this one in Django, and that's pretty much it. Um. Out of that out of what I've seen, um, but yeah, he 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 um he gets a little too pretentious for me at times. There's a you know when the narration kicks in, I'm just like okay, dude, you know? <laughs> and the long drawn the out shots. Yeah, it it there's there's some stuff that I think is a little too much, but you know he he is a fantastic director i think his ego just gets in his own way of uh storytelling 
And that's my kind of thing is a value storytelling above all else, you know, above all the artsy fartsy shots, which are pretty, don't get me wrong, but you know. And and now that I know the the thing um uh, soundtrack little tidbit that I cuz what I was thinking too is, man, this this uh this soundtrack sounds a lot like the thing. And this really long shot of Cold Winter with Kurt Russell really reminds me of the th- the beginning of the thing you know and, and so that's kind of funny um and that's that's kind of like a i can see that being a nerdy uh like a film nerd kind of thing which is cool and all yeah. but you know like like with music for me like i can kind of enjoy uh some some music nerdy stuff but but then you know, I also recognize, like, okay, it can get in the way of being a good song, and it can definitely get in the way of appealing to a general audience. Zarya, <laughs> overall thoughts? Um, I'll have to piggyback off of what, like, Shelton said. Like, um, like you can't, like, as you're watching it, you can't, like, forget that this is a Tarantino movie. Like, uh, I like the movie overall. Uh, it's not my favorite of his movies but it's pretty this this was pretty cool it's pretty decent um a, a wild roller coaster ride yeah definitely okay okay wow All right. very a lot of different opinions going on here um a lot of different levels we got going on all right i feel like uh at by the end of this we're gonna have a lot of guns pointing at each other um, <laughs> which be good for me because content but uh, just you know make sure no one's feelings get hurt um mainly mine anyway as for me <laughs> there we go <laughs> um <Assumption> i <laughs> as for me i i've always said and i after watching over this podcast i still feel the same way this is probably my favorite quentin tarantino film out of all of all of his movies you know even you know i really liked once upon a time in hollywood um Going back to our, we did reviews uh, Django a while ago, me, Zarya, and uh, Roderick, and I, I, we largely liked that movie. A lot of us uh, recommended it, uh, recommend, uh, recommended it. I even recommended it. I just said I wasn't too hyped on it, as most people are, but I, I liked its significance. I am much more of a fan of this movie because I am much more of a fan of the mystery genre, and I like that Quentin Tarantino was able to utilize. Not just the mystery genre, but the we did this, covered this at the beginning of the year. You know, the Agatha Christie type of cozy mystery, while also inserting his love for westerns in there. And though I'm not a fan of westerns, this is a unique version of it. You know, it's a western, and it's though so in Wyoming, but it's freezing cold. So you know, there's that whole juxtaposition. I I like it. I like this movie a lot. I think. You know, I get what you guys mean about the the overdrawn shots. For me, that is just Tarantino, not Tarantino being Tarantino, but Tarantino emulating what Tarantino likes. And I feel like that gets in a way. And you know, the uh, the the ego thing, Xander really stuck out to me. So I wonder where we'll go with that. Um, but yeah, overall, I I like I just like this movie. I like I think. A lot of it works well for me. The um, I feel like every time I rewatch it, I understand more. Um, me and Gavin kind of talked off camera or off camera, off mic about audio medium, 
off mic about this, but um, <laughs> though we may watch this movie and forget everything that happens, when you watch it again, things can become clear. And yeah, that's why it just remains my favorite. But um, man, oh man, where do we begin with this movie? Uh, the, the movie has a really unique start. I really like the overture. It feels very classic movie-like. We get that weird statue of Jesus in the snow because, you know, every movie needs a statue of Jesus. And we get the mm-hmm. title, the, you know, your typical Tarantino title cards. But this movie is separated into chapters, um, often found in Tarantino films. Um, the Chapter one, the last stage to Red Rock. Um, and we begin with literally, as you know, I think the biggest things for me when trying to focus and break down a Tarantino movie is that at some point I just fall into the trap of just writing down lines <laughs> of dialogue. Because there's so many good lines, but this one starts with, um, I would say, pretty iconic. Uh, you know, got room for one more, and then we get introduced to Samuel Jackson's character, Major Marcus Warren, uh, who was a bounty hunter and an ex-military major carrying a bunch of dead bodies over to Red Rock, and they run into Mr. Kurt Russell, a.k.a. John Ruth the Hangman, and Daisy Domergue, or we'll find out the real name later played by Jennifer Jason Lee before passing it off to you guys. I will say that I, I love this opening scene and I feel like this just fits into all of the other Tarantino opening scenes because you get a lot of dialogue, you get a lot of exposition all at once. And then he just lets the story flow. Um, You know, me, I liked when dialogue and, or I like when expo- exposition can be compact into one scene and we just get everything we need, including, you know, what the plot is, what the theme is, what we need to know. I like all of that. Uh, another example would be in horror movies. I like when they compress everything into one classroom scene. Not only is it fun and cheesy, but you know you get everything you need there, and then so the movie is free to roam around until it needs the the information again. You get the same type of thing here with <laughs> him just making uh, Samuel Jackson put his hands up and roll the snow. But passing it over to you guys, uh, I'm going to start with Zarya here, kind of going in reverse. How do you feel about Samuel Jackson's character? And essentially this first chapter of, you know, them meeting and getting into the stagecoach and everything. At first meet, I didn't think, like, that wasn't really, that that was just Samuel L. Jackson playing Samuel L. Jackson. (laughs) Really? Like, to me, like, I don't know. Like, I like like Samuel L. Jackson as an actor. Um, But in this movie, it just seemed like he was playing himself. Cause like in Django, I can tell like he was playing like a character, but in this, it just it just felt like him. So other than that, like I really don't have a lot of notes on him. Cause yeah, cause of that. All right, yeah, we we talked about him a lot in Django. He's probably the best part of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I I will say I feel like he's. I see what you mean, but I was able to buy into this character. But um, well, yeah, Xander, how about you? How'd you what Samuel? Let's just center things on Samuel Jackson's character. At the beginning here, how you feel about him? I love him. <laughs> uh, he, I, I can see, you know what she's saying. Where, where, it, I, I think it's a lot of Samuel L. Jackson, but he is throwing on a bit of a character, um, kind, kind of th- throwing on a bit more of the the time period feel, um, and honestly. You know, the way I see it, it's like when it comes to casting, you know, if Samuel L. Jackson 
is, is this character it is you know closest thing to this character that you're wanting to portray i say you know go for it because then that's gonna be easy easier at least i would think um you know because then you you can think oh okay i can kind of use my wittiness as a baseline and then add a bit more things um and you know too like uh later on in the story you kind of see him develop a little more i just love the 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 sassy old black dude kind of witty thing because there's a lot of that going around in my family um and then he's also a bounty hunter which is like one of my dream jobs i wish i could be either a wild west bounty hunter or like a like a mandalorian i think that'd be cool um but yeah i love him (laughs) wow all right couldn't make it one podcast without someone bringing up the Mandalorian. Sorry, I could have <laughs> said Boba Fett. I like Boba Fett a lot more. No. Not not necessarily Book of really? Boba Fett. I thought that was boring and disappointing. Oh, okay. There we <laughs> but go. But I like right. I like Boba Fett okay. character way more than I do like the Mandalorian though. But Boba Fett's my favorite. All right, Sheldon, um, Major Marcus Warren, Samuel Jackson, go. Uh, I'm gonna have to fully agree with Zarya on this one. It just felt like Samuel Jackson playing himself if he was in that time period. <laughs> he was great, though. Loved the character. Um, yeah. It's a shame. <laughs> shame what happened. You know, I, I love me some Samuel L. Jackson. Any movie he's really in. I'm glad we got to see a lot of them in this one. Definitely. All right. Uh, and Gavin, what about you? Uh, I mean, and I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting some Samuel L. Jackson rolls off the top of my head, but... Other than him playing Steven in Django, this is probably one of my favorite Samuel L. Jackson roles. And going to what um, Shelton and Zarya said about like this role just feels like him. I was watching interviews after I rewatched it of like the cast and stuff, and I don't I don't remember if it was like Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Kimmel or what, but he was on one of the late night talk show, um, <clears throat> one of the late talk shows. Uh, Sam Jackson was, and he said that like a lot of his process for. Um, films is like uh, Quentin will give him the script and he'll just read through and be like yeah I want this character um, so he said <laughs> he did that for, for this film which I think is really interesting that they think that or because I agree that I think this uh, this role is very Samuel Jackson so I think it's interesting that he got to go through and be like yeah this is the one I play um, but yeah I, I love him in, in this movie um, I think out of all the characters in it he's got the most <clears throat> interesting development for me um, just the the character arc alone of him with the Lincoln letter, uh, <laughs> I think, is is one of my favorite parts. It's probably my favorite like tidbit of the movie is like the the little story arc that goes with the Lincoln letter. But yeah, I, I love Sam Jackson in this movie. I thought he was great. All right, yeah, I, uh, man, I like I said earlier, I don't think I don't get that he's playing himself, but I do buy I do buy into the character. Um. You know, Steven in Django is just unmatched, honestly. But I think I like this guy a lot more, mainly because he's... Well, I can't say that, because Steven was pretty diabolical. Steven was pretty evil. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Steven was the the most evil black man in, in any film. <laughs> I, I, and we could argue about that. that. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, this guy is definitely much more of a vigilante, bounty hunter of that style. So, yeah, Marcus, but it's like, I don't know. It's just the way his attitude and everything, the way he just never really changes, the way he makes jokes. Rather, Okay, I, I get this. I'll, I'll say this. 
Steven, going back to him, he was very loyal, very, you know, evil, but he was very serious because that movie required seriousness. But this movie, number one, it's it. This movie is pretty much a stage play. Um, just even the way it's filmed with just one view um, and just the camera moving side to side. It's a stage play. It's a, you know, it's a almost a, a show. And I feel like I buy into it more just because of the this requires much more theatricality. And I feel like the characters are much more theatrical while in Django, the characters there are much more dramatic. And, you know, I feel like all, all of um, Tarantino's characters are very much more, or very much more dramatic rather than theatrical other than this. And maybe Hollywood are the ones that you really get into the, the theatricality of it all. And that requires a lot more levity to be set in. And so I buy into this character a lot more. I do love the Lincoln letter. I want to talk about that a little later because I mean, I can talk about it now. The Lincoln letter is one of my favorite things. You know, a lot of people talk about the briefcase in Pulp Fiction, the sword in uh, Kill Bill, even the um, the diner scene in Inglorious Bastards. But the, the Lincoln letter is one of the most it has to be the most funniest plot point in film history ever like and it's the fact that every time i watch it i forget that it's it may or may not be real (laughs) and so it kind of plays with you a bit i think it's hilarious how right as he meets him right as he recognizes him he's like so you got that the letter on you he's like yeah can i see it (laughs) everybody's asking for this letter like it's gold (laughs) and i'm like what is going on and I'm sure we'll get into it later, too, when we talk about the ending of the movie. But I love the fact that they ended it on us not knowing yeah. if it was real or not. Because I, I think both um, outcomes of that uh, say a lot about the movie and about the characters one way or the other. Yes, I totally agree. And we'll get Wait, is, is it in debate whether it's real or not? It is not, it's never confirmed. What? We... I, he said it was horseshit. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean yeah. I like in that conversation, though, he agreed um, with it. He, I, I'm just trying to put like myself in the shoes of like a black guy in that, uh, like in that situation. And I feel like if you're the only black guy in the room and all the white people are like, yeah, you know, this letter's fake. Like you're you're doing more harm than good to yourself to argue with them at that point. Yeah. Like, so I, I don't I feel know. Like just taking the L there is kind of. I think, I think it. Like, I think it's pretty clear that it's fake. Cause he yeah, because the, the only one that? really calling it is the hangman. Yeah. Everybody else is like looking to him to clarify. I I just feel like um like after the sheriff like broke down like okay you're telling me this black guy like in this age has a letter from like uh from Lincoln to, and like went on his little speech like. After that, I mean, I feel like if I'm in that situation and you, and you start arguing with like, nah, motherfucker, like this is real, da, 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 like it's just going to escalate and then it's going to get to the point where nobody cares. Like, Yeah, I feel like it. the Lincoln letter, while being a funny MacGuffin, which is something Tarantino does often, like I said, I mentioned the briefcase and everything. He'll Steven Spielberg started the whole MacGuffin thing. Well, I think it goes back to uh, Hitchcock, but. You know the the object everyone is the object that everyone is after or wants, and so Tarantino likes to take that and mess with it. You know, in Django, it was Broomhilda that was the MacGuffin. Uh, in Glorious Bastards, it was literally Hitler <laughs> that was the MacGuffin. <laughs> and so it's I like the fact that he plays with it, and so 
the fact that it's in the form of this Lincoln letter, not only does it act as it's not a MacGuffin that people are after, but it's a MacGuffin that people see as either it's, it's a safety net for a major who I'm just going to call him major for now on. It's a safety net for major. Like he said, it's kind of a shield, but for everyone else, it is this like shiny beacon of like, okay, maybe we can trust this guy despite knowing what he did and getting to his, getting back into his character. The fact that this man is one of the most evil people (laughs) in the land, not evil, but the fact that he like, he's known for burning uh, a whole lot of people alive in a jail (laughs) And then, you know, taking the reward and not only was it a way for him to get away, but it's the fact that he took everyone out with him, including his own people, including a bunch of people who were on his side, while also taking out like one Southerner that was after him. And so that kind of takes you into the mindset or brings you into the real mindset of like, okay, this guy is much more dangerous. So you do kind of doubt him a bit. But then going back to the original question, I I don't know. I like the fact that it it, it is left unsaid that it can be real it couldn't be real i think them reading it at the end kind of confirms that okay maybe it is real but everything he says earlier on can be in question but we we just don't know and i love i love that i just love the whole lincoln letter thing it's fun um well at the end also chris says um to the what was it it was old uh fuck i can't remember mary todd but the yeah, old Mary Todd. They, he points out that was a nice touch, and they both laugh. I feel like that's kind of showing. That was another like one of my. <laughs> like, yeah, that was a nice touch. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. You're fine. I had barely was, anything left to say. <laughs> one of my favorite details of that was like, and I had to rewind it to see it. But if you look like while Chris is reading the note, <clears throat> um, uh, uh, Major is like sitting or he's laying back in the bed, like mouthing the words the entire time right behind him like along with him i thought that was a really cool detail yeah i mean if you want to like connect it even back it goes back to the whole ezekiel speech in pulp fiction the 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 bible verse which is something that's not what is it i think the whole thing is that it's not word for word or it's his own version of that uh of that verse which is why he says it before killing someone (laughs) right so you, know, you you just believe you automatically believe that Samuel Jackson will make up something and make people think it's real to the point where it's like, well, maybe it is. And then before you even find out, you're dead. Um, but getting to the second half here, to the second half of this partnership we have is good old Kurt Russell. Oh, man, I don't know where to begin with Kurt Russell. I like his character a lot. I like him as an actor. But uh, he picks some weird stuff to do nowadays. Like, I know he was Santa Claus for a couple of movies on Netflix. Um, when I think of Kurt Russell, I think of, like, one of the most manliest men ever to live. But then if you look at him now, Google him now, he looks like a looks like an old white man. <laughs> so, I don't know. But um, Kurt Russell as John the Hangman, uh, another character I really like, especially in the beginning here where he is kind of the, the man in charge. Like, he is – he's – he is the guy with the upper hand. He is the one leading everything. Um, how do you guys feel? Um, let's just go back around. Gavin, you can start us off here with John. I mean, he was, I mean, I, I can't really say I dislike any of these characters. Like, I thought all the, all the characters are pretty integral to the story. But I, I really liked John. I thought his, his character was pretty interesting. It's, like you said, other than, like, the newer weird stuff that Kurt Russell does, I, it's really hard for me to not like him in a role. Like, 
um you could really he could he could act almost any character and i'd be like yeah that's a kurt russell role right there but um yeah i thought like you said like him coming in in the intro and being like as much of a presence as he was right in the beginning was really good um all of his interactions with um what was her name daisy Daisy. oh man all of their conversations were so funny to me and then like the the guitar scene was perfect for me just because like him going the entire movie just being like understandably because like for 10 grand back then you know i can't say i wouldn't do the stuff he was doing but (laughs) um um or no hers was her oh no yeah hers was just 10 but um i forgot what i was about to say Oh yeah, her, him going like being so harsh on her the entire time, and then going be like, "Fine, yeah, I guess you can play the guitar," and then just freaking the fuck out and smashing it was one of my favorite <laughs> parts of the movie. But no. yeah, I thought I, I really like um, I really like John. I, I and because I, I feel like a lot of characters in that situation will um, eventually fold and just be like, "Fine, let's just kill her." But I, I like that he the entire time was like, "No, <laughs> I'm sticking to my plan. We're taking her alive." Yes, man. And uh, we'll get everybody else. I did want to break here, um, podcast, because I did want to ask, because um, John is, I will say Samuel Jackson's character is the main character, um, but John here is obviously our, I would say, not even really a co-lead, but kind of like the the driving force for the movie, especially when it gets started with the whole thing. But I want to say, did you guys know this this movie was a murder mystery of sorts. Did, did that when you first if you remember first watching it or even watching it for this podcast, did you have any recollection of the fact that this movie was going to be essentially a bottled murder a bottled murder mystery? I can't remember. Like I I remember you know wanting to figure out the mystery of like who the who the people were, and so I kind of assumed that the original owners were probably murdered uh because bob is a lying hoe yeah fuck bob i take it back i I do hate bob (laughs) (laughs) i thought he was funny so much he did so much work (laughs) i just i don't want to start on bob just yet oh boy (laughs) um okay so xander no uh gavin did you say whether or not you thought this was a or did you have any clue that this was a murder mystery upon um, I don't know what I thought about this movie the first time I watched it because I like I remember my dad got it like on like a bootleg DVD when it came out in, like 2015 and I watched it <laughs> and I, I don't know what I thought this movie was but it, like I was telling Walter like right before we started recording like I like every five minutes I was like yeah I don't remember any of this happening I don't know what I thought <laughs> this movie was but like I remember they met in a room and then somebody died, but <laughs> but yeah, I remembered like some sort of a murder mystery thing, but not nearly in the way that it happened. What about you, Zarya? Did you think this was going to be a murder mystery? No, I just thought it was going to be a western type of thing, like no mystery, just just out west doing western stuff. Just another Django, <laughs> basically. <laughs> All right, and Shelton, did you think this was going to be a murder mystery? Not at all. I thought I was going to be seeing some rootin' tootin' cowboys doing rootin' tootin' cowboy stuff, and it turned into a murder mystery. I like that a bit more, though. 
I mean, it still kind of is a rootin' tootin' cowboy <laughs> movie. Dude, it's fucking full-on mystery. You're trying to figure out what's going on with everyone. Who's yeah. telling the truth? Like, at a certain point, it, I was just like, you know what? I'll figure it out later. <laughs> There's too many moving parts. At this point. Right. <laughs> but yeah, it, I just... it was obvious. But you know how I get, like... You know, I, I'm like, oh, I, I like that character. They're cool. They're, they're trusting, right? Oh, Bob, no. Man, oh, man, Bob. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. So I, I remember when everything went down, like I mentioned earlier. Um, when they, I remember when he announced the movie and called it The Hateful Eight. And I was like, all right, that sounds like a good title. And then just kind of never thought about it ever again. And then I remember when the script, when the script leaked. Around that time, I was, like, heavy into, like, movie news and journalism, so I was, like, really paying attention to it. I never read the script. I remember making that decision, like, nope, I don't want to read it because I was, I'm was i all for the filmmaker, and that's very fucked up. And it was a pretty fucked up thing for that person to do for Quentin Tarantino, especially since his movies are seen as, like, very big uh, events, kind of the same kind of thing that Jordan Peele does now. Um, I think, I mean, I, think, I still think Tarantino is the king of the event film, but... It was just a. I I do remember them being like, "Oh, it's his his it's his version of a murder mystery," which meant like you know it's gonna be anything but. But I do like I uh one of like uh Gavin said, you kind of forget the plot of this movie. So yeah, when you meet John and you kind of spend like a full about half an hour or forty five minutes with him and Daisy and uh Major and it was you know on this wagon we get to meet Chris and we'll get to them. But by the time we get to the the actual haberdashery and, you know, everything goes down and then John is the first person to die. <laughs> it it kind of it always catches me off guard. Like he just starts spitting. Up. Well, he's not the first person to die. I will say poor OB. Man, it's OB. OB. Man. <laughs> I was waiting for him to die because I was like, it's definitely more than eight. He cannot be that integral in this movie. Is it more than eight? I was trying to keep count, but I just. I, I Wait, lost- what? Well, is it is it eight counting him? Should we count the characters? Um, <laughs> I always thought it was eight, on, eight okay. on the poster. Hold on, I've got it's the nine. It's nine. It's nine, and that eight. bugged the crap out of me. It made me so mad. I, I didn't even realize the first time I watched it, but it made it's me Major, so mad. Major John, Daisy, Oswaldo, Chris, Jody, Bob, and Joe are the eight, and then, and then the general, and, and the general, and then uh, Channing Tatum. Jody, eleven total. <laughs> and do, do oh, we do we want to count Minnie and Jamma and nah, Sweet were Day? <laughs> no, no, they, they pretty much died off screen if it wasn't for the flashback. Hey, we 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 gotta talk about Minnie's thick ass though. Hey yo, <laughs> hey, hey, she say, do I have a fat ass? We <laughs> we. Oui, oui. <laughs> okay, Man, she was so sweet. She got done dirty. <laughs> We're getting ahead of ourselves. Um, I do want to bring it back to start of chapter two, because chapter two is when we meet Walton Goggins' character, Chris Mannix, who I think this chapter really brings in the theme of the film, especially when we start, when we see them get to the haberdashery in chapter three. But I just got to say, I love, I, I feel like we should, we start off the movie, We I feel like we should hate Chris Mannix just because of how they talk about him and who he is. and. But that's the, I have the yes, and then you just kind of end up loving him anyway. <laughs> like the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, I feel like I should hate this character. 
But here I am, <laughs> kind of liking this character. This gives off goofy kid vibes. Yes, yeah, like this goofy and like sort of respectful, even in the racism. It's like it's conflicting. <laughs> Man, <laughs> I just love every every other sentence with him is well. My daddy would truly appreciate that, and I'm like, why is this dude? have such daddy issues <laughs> he really reminds me of every white person i went to high school with because it was like super small town and they're just like they're, they're like you know we're not racist we just don't know any better you know <laughs> Come on, like, every sentence that came out i was just like oh my god like i know so many of this dude <laughs> Well, I'll be dog, oh. dog damn. <laughs> it's just, it's, like, I like him for the same reason I like uh, Steven in uh, right. Like, when, when somebody, and Tarantino, listen, bro, it, and take it however you want, but Tarantino is really good at writing racist characters. <laughs> like, there's, there's a lot of people have, like, you know, movies based around uh, black versus white. Like, it's a very like racist or not racist movie but it's a very race heavy movie yeah and people a lot of the time don't know how to write real racist <laughs> but like i feel like charismatics or charismatics was almost a perfect written racist exactly and to the fact where he even kind of becomes sort of redeemed at the end when i mean i mean he is kind of like fighting for his life but still though <laughs> But I like, feel like that's most racist people. Yeah. <laughs> like, mo you, you don't meet a lot of racist people that are just outright just, like, hard to be around. You know? Like, there's not that many people like that. They're usually, like, you know, it's it's conflicting, like his character is. I truly love the setup of the scene, though. It's just the fact that, like, you know, we talked about the Lincoln letter and, you know, uh, John asked to see it. He shows it to Daisy. He's kind of, like, berating her. She spits on it. That causes Major to punch her so hard. She she falls Man, he shit out of her. Who thought it was a good idea to put that in her face? Right. <laughs> the whole time. I'm like, what are you doing? Well, the part that always gets me is that during the scene where they're talking about how, you know, is the letter okay? You didn't have to punch her that hard. You hear Chris in the background going, Aye! Aye! <laughs> and OB's in the background like, there's the another fella time. up here. Like, he, Chris is the whole time. I had to rewind it just to make sure my, I, my ears weren't deceiving me. But he is yelling the entire time they're having that small conversation about Daisy. <laughs> And then the title comes up, Chapter Two, Son of a Gun. I'm like, oh, okay. And he's still yelling. You can hear him still yelling through the title. Jesus. <laughs> oh, I love it. And I love the fact that he comes up and, you know, John does the whole, you know, stand over there yonder. And he's going, oh, uh, I recognize y'all. And then he goes, do you know this chick? No. It's Daisy Domergue. Who the fuck is Daisy Domergue? <laughs> <laughs> he has some of the best lines in this movie. I swear to God. Uh, but yes, Chris is a racist, and he comes from a, a family of racist marauders, as we just said. And um, small little detail, though, we haven't talked about Daisy enough yet. I think we we could probably talk about her now. But uh, yeah, I'll get what your your thoughts on Daisy. But um, little side detail I love is that <laughs> I love the fact that this whole time John's been feeding her one piece of like or just pieces of beef jerky. He's <laughs> like he hits her, he hits her in the face, and then gives her beef jerky. I thought it was yeah, like a boot. Was it a boot? I don't know. Like it looked like leather, but I don't know. I I counted as beef jerky. I I assumed it was jerky. <laughs> beef jerky. I hope he ain't feed her a boot. 
I hope he did. That's all she deserves, they bro. They couldn't have had jerky back then that was much better than eating leather. Let's be honest. Yeah, it's probably the same. True. Technique. Yeah. <laughs> They're synonyms. <laughs> but, she um, got her ass beat. Yes. The that's whole where we're going. <laughs> Man, we, we meet her with a black eye, and then by the time. <laughs> Not even like five minutes later, her nose is swelled up. <laughs> yeah, I'm fucking been broke that shit. shit. <laughs> she really was. She was talking like, "Girl, you're in chains to this. Stop talking that shit." You're like, uh, so it's it's hard to say this in a way that doesn't seem like I just advocate for violence against women. <laughs> no, she oh lord. It. Like, ah. but if you're if you're in that situation and you're you know getting held by a bounty hunter, I I feel like it's in your best interest to shut the fuck up. Right. <laughs> like, but the balls you know of her like to not shut up is just hilarious. Like obviously, I mean, like people shouldn't get kidnapped, right? But if I get kidnapped, I'm not gonna talk some kind of way to the person kidnapping me. Well, We're, yeah, have some Especially fucking guts to talk mad shit. Out. But I also you think about it. To... I also think about it like she probably thought like there's a slim chance that she will die, so you got to get all she got off her chest before she dies. We, to be fair, I guess we also have to take into consideration like she thought she was getting out the whole time. So yeah, true. yeah, uh, she, probably true. She she was yeah, but still, I mean, even he, still, once you get bit out of a fucking stagecoach <laughs> going full speed, you probably learn a lesson from that. Yeah, but she didn't change until mm -mm. Like, like y'all were saying. She didn't change until she thought like she actually might be screwed. Like yeah, towards right. the end, she 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 changed her tune a little bit. Do we know, like, I don't want to, if we're going to talk about this later, I don't want to get into it now, but do we know if there were actually 15 other people? We don't know. And again, I much doubt. like the Lincoln letter, I chalk it up to it could or could not be, but I, I want to say she was probably lying because there was I mean, what? I guess to the end, it doesn't really matter because I feel like they bled out, but like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, she hanged, but. <laughs> well, yeah. Man. <laughs> I do want to say uh, before we move forward to the uh, next chapters here, I do want to say it's like I said earlier, this chapter brings in the political statement, the, the theme of the movie. Want to know if you guys picked up on it or not. So let me know if you do. But if you paid attention to the dates, if you paid attention to the dates I named earlier and when this movie came out and what this movie is saying, things add up. Um, I put in my notes here that this is probably Tarantino's most political film he's ever made. One he's really making a uh, commentary on, uh, especially for the time period of 2013, 2014, 2015. Um, like I said, uh, Tarantino wrote this movie or began writing this movie in 2013. Um, a lot of this movie talks about justice and, uh, you know, the relationship between blacks and whites and all races, essentially. But mainly um, just the, the conversation of them post-Civil War in America well, like like I said, he wrote this in 2013. What happened the year before? Does anyone remember? Year before the year before 2013. Yeah, 2012. Big big event that happened that led to some significant things happening. Was that Trayvon? No. Yeah. Obama got reelected. Yeah, um, about yeah. There's that. Well, there it's was Obama's that. first second term. Yeah. That, that's true but uh yeah it is trayvon martin was killed in 2012 and, okay you know soon after that we got the uh the first um i won't i won't say first but like 
the uptick of Black Lives Matter or that becoming the the movement there. And so I do feel like Tarantino is taking all of that or had took had taken all of that and put it into this movie because the conversation that, you know, we have with Chris Mannix and uh, Major and even John is back and forth. It just sounded so much about um, about that time and everything. And this one, this movie coming out in 2015, you know, by that point, we we're talking about police brutality and we get into more of that later on in the movie. But I feel like all of that here. So then he put specific lines in there that kind of screaming out, you know, um, Chris Mannix literally says when niggas are scared, that's when white folks feel safe. And I feel like that is Tarantino definitely commenting on police brutality and race and everything that had happened beforehand. And, you know, the line gets reversed. The line gets reversed later. Only time black folks feel safe is when white folks are disarmed. Yeah. And yeah. Bring in your theme here. Did you guys pick up on that at any point in this movie? Yes, sir. I didn't pick that it got flipped until you said it, but I remember now. All right. I did catch that one. That was clever. Oh, yeah. I picked up on it. All right. Yeah. I just, I liked it. And I, I feel like it is kind of very base level. I mean, it is Quentin Tarantino is a white man. So I don't think he would want to poke the bear too much, although he has in the past. Especially with his use of the word nigga, but I, I feel like I don't know. In Django, the way he used the word felt more like a joke. In this one, he feels more authentic. But I feel I still feel like in most cases it's necessary. Again, it feels true to these characters that he's writing here. But also, I know people had problems with him writing it in the first place. But um, I mean, I, I feel like it'd be a lot more disingenuous to not have the characters saying it to be completely honest because like you know what i'm saying like it it, we're not gonna try to cookie cutter this like this is this is how it was true it was nice and that's how i felt too i was like around this time very very post like right after the civil war had ended and whatnot like it was still very like tension wise and so that was like the culture of the language and so since that movie is since this movie is set at that time it seems it feels historically accurate and it doesn't really feel like it's just a white man that just threw this word in his in his script just to throw the word it really felt authentic uh let me not say authentic it it felt placed right i'll Especially say that in a movie like this that like race is such a core um theme of the movie yeah i feel like it would make it it wouldn't make any sense to not have them saying it every sentence <laughs> I will say I don't think I've ever heard a like um a, a Hispanic person say it with a hard R. That was interesting. or a, or an English person. That that was interesting. That was different. Damn, I've never heard. <laughs> Man. Like, yes. With that being said, it brings us into chapter three. Minnie's haberdashery. Our main characters make it here, and like the plot says, there are four others waiting there. And yeah, like you're saying that whole entire scene. I'm like. You know, they bring up, uh, John brings up the Lincoln letter again. And so, oh like, my gosh, <laughs> the, oh man, the black man in the stagecoach has a letter from Abraham Lincoln. The nigga in the stagecoach, <laughs> in the, in the stage <laughs> Abraham, Abraham Lincoln? Lincoln, yeah, the president. And then oh, everybody just keeps repeating it. Even the English guy, he's like, the nigga in the stagecoach in the stable has a letter from Abraham Lincoln. And I'm like, why do they keep repeating it? <laughs> Also, like if we're while we're on like the topic of minis again, like if we're gonna get into this, like yeah, we can we can go ahead. But um, 
I have this I have this written twice in my notes, once in all caps. What was the old white dude doing in the, like if he if you're that racist, like it, it was nothing but pretty much black people in there. Yeah. <laughs> that, there, like, what, what, what were you doing? Yeah. I did think that. I feel like that was an like, oversight. Like, yeah. Because like I feel like there's he from his character like had no reason <laughs> to be chilling <laughs> with all those black folks. Well, he does. He does get well, a reason. He, he why was he's going there. to visit his son's grave. Or he was going to make. He was going to help make a, a tombstone because he was he, declaring. But he just son. seemed like too comfortable. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I feel he like was really just not, chilling the whole I time. I think that was an oversight. I was yeah. thinking the same thing. Bruce Dern as the the old man, old General <laughs> Sandy <laughs> Smithers. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm only bringing this up because I co- I totally forgot his name last week. But like I said, uh, if you've been paying attention to the the release the release of the podcast here, last episode, me, Roderick, and Javon did Bru- uh, Blue Velvet. That movie stars Laura Dern. Laura Dern is the daughter of Bruce Dern. Laura Dern, famous actress, mostly known for Jurassic Park, and I know her best from some smaller stuff she's done, uh, Marriage Story. I really liked her in Big Little Lies. But this is her dad, Bruce Dern. I don't know if he's still alive, but. He's also, I think he was also in, um, he had a small part in um, Hollywood as well. So this guy, big, big time actor, but he's, he's, he's also fun in this, in this movie, especially at his big uh, scene with Samuel Jackson, but we'll get there. But um, he does give a reason and I think it is the tombstone, but yeah, he was a little bit too comfortable to be sitting there at a haberdashery ran by black folk. <laughs> yeah. I just find it hard to believe he didn't, you know, just shout one of them, shout at one of them, like something crazy. Like, <laughs> Especially wow, to be was in this haberdashery. He was there, he was playing chess with Sweet Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I like to play chess with Sweet Dave. Oh my! <laughs> I will say, like, um, like when they were trying to get in there, and the whole like catastrophe of them yelling, "You gotta kick that over! You gotta kick!" I don't know why that was like my favorite part of that chapter. Because it just seemed so chaotic and funny, and it seemed real for some reason. Like I don't think anybody was acting. Yeah, and it also yeah, they were cold for real. Yeah, and it was also the it gives you the first clue that when um when Major walks in, he notices well who broke the damn door, and you know yeah more times than any of them, so he knows okay well sums up already. But yeah, I love the fact that to enter you have to kick open the door, but to close it again you have to take two nail it. Of, yeah, you have to nail it shut with two wood with two wood. And things. I love that they escalated it the same way every time. It's like no, you got to nail it. Yeah, like, no, you got to use two boards. No, you gotta... <laughs> Man, my favorite part, my absolute favorite part is when uh is when Ob is he he's outside because um he goes to flush the guns and then he comes back in. <laughs> you goddamn bastards! You left me out there to die. I ain't going. I ain't going back outside again. Man, no, you, you're really not going back outside again, Obi. Right. <laughs> oh, he doesn't know how true he was. <laughs> but it was the way he like grabbed the bearskin off the wall, curled up, and plopped in front of the fireplace. And nobody said a goddamn word. <laughs> As he should. <laughs> he was not playing. Hey, you know, Obi Bob came really up was like, "Do you want some stew?" <laughs> Obi was slept on. He he had some of my my favorite moments. The only innocent person in this movie. Poor Obi. 
Which I, I forgot from... to say something about it earlier, but him like in the beginning was one of my favorite because like my favorite thing to do in these podcasts is just relate everything to video games. So the <laughs> the very beginning was really funny to me um, with like the troping games where it's like you'll start a game and it's like, hey, you got to do this quest. But to do this quest, you got to talk to somebody else. <laughs> what they want, you got to talk to this person. So like the very intro when uh, when Major's like, yeah, I got to get these bodies up on the top. He's like, uh, uh, he's like John. You want to help me put these these bodies up here? He's like, Nah, I'm ten- I'm tied to Jay Z or tied to Daisy. You gotta ask Ob. And Ob's like, Yeah, I'm not gonna do it without money. And he's like, Yeah, I'll do it, but you gotta get somebody to hold these horses. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just this never ending. Like you're never gonna. It's like, oh, this should be really quick and easy. And then you end up talking to like ten people doing five little yeah, so side things, and then you finally get what you want. Yeah, he starts like that. It's like, hey, you gotta get this really strong sword. Go talk to this blacksmith. Oh, but the blacksmith needs you to take a shield to this one. Yeah, this one needs you to pick up a potion for. And it's like the reason every person you go through is sent it to someone else for some reason. (laughs) The reason I lost patience with video games a long time ago just have flashbacks (laughs) of playing Naruto Shippuden, whatever the whatever the game was called, and it was just like, oh, you gotta go to this person. You gotta go to this village now, and it's like you gotta collect these things and bring it back. (laughs) Also, yeah, I can get Walter, to the next storyline. <laughs> Walter is playing Ultimate Ninja Storm. Oh, yes, you got stuck in a killer <laughs> quest. Yeah. Playing Storm 3 and 4, but you played 2. Yeah. 3 and 4 were bomb as fuck. At that point, I just gave up and was like, I'm going to just fight the, the computer for a while until I get bored again. <laughs> Have I gone a podcast uh, without bringing Naruto up? Oh, man, I guess. <laughs> All right, so we got, we got to get our checkpoints here. We got the Mandalorian. We got... <laughs> Naruto. Okay, so if I bring up the last Jedi in any kind of way and relate it back, we got ourselves a full house. Um, how, how does this movie affect LeBron's legacy? Yeah. <laughs> you already brought up Kanye too, so that's four. Oh God. <laughs> okay. Um. So in this chapter, we do meet the other characters. Uh, we talked about the general a bit. He's just an old cranky racist man. Um, we got Mexican Bob, <laughs> Mexican Bob, <laughs> oh boy, Mexican Bob, he starts off pretty okay, but the moment where Major's like, that is, it sounds like you're lying, and he's like, you calling me a liar? I'm like, well, one, who, that accent is not fooling anyone. <laughs> <laughs> so he kind of gives himself away right away. <laughs> That's just his accent though, isn't it? He's I think he's faking. faking. Really? In, in the flashback, he has a different no. voice, doesn't he? No, it's the same. It's the, it's the British dude that's got a different. Oh, you're right. You're right. Because he goes from being Mexican Bob to uh, was it? It's um, he's called something else at the end. He's called something the Mexican. Uh, oh, oh, it was just mm. in my head. I was thinking about it. I don't remember. Oh, Marco the Mexican. Yeah. Which is ah, uh, they're just <laughs> uncreative. <laughs> If you're gonna come up with the name, come up with. my favorite moments was uh, Sam talking about the sign. <laughs> yes, it was like yeah, she had a sign that said no dogs and no Mexicans, and she only took the sign down because she let dogs in. <laughs> and then he immediately shoots. Man, him. <laughs> he he that scene was like one of my favorite. Uh, one of my favorite, like yeah, I know. Like, yeah. you know, like, like that, that one scene in every like Who Done It movie when he's just like, well, here's all the facts. Like, that was one of my favorites. Yeah, I just love it. it's just two shots and then blowing his face off. Samuel Jackson, man, gosh, and nigga speeches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then um, right after that, we get uh, Oswald Mo- Morberry, 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 whatever it is. Morberry? Tim, Tim Roth. Morberry? Tim Roth Morberry. is also here. Morberry. Okay, Oswald Morberry. Morberry. Who claims that he's the hangman while, and we, I forgot to mention this, but Chris is the supposed to be the new sheriff, which is just a funny conversation. You're the new sheriff? Yeah. Where's your star? Well, I haven't gotten it yet. I got to get on down to Red Rock first to get my star. <laughs> then I'll be the new sheriff. I'm like. Oh, he's just so racist, but he's also like twelve years old. <laughs> it's twelve. <laughs> hey, twelve year olds are some of the most racist motherfuckers I've met. That that is true. <laughs> <laughs> them oh, them kids, them kids that be all, like on them like live chats on the game. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you would think that they were like I don't know, 82, and we're protesting the um the Arkansas 9 or like the Little Rock 9 <laughs> or something. Hey, we, we know where Chris Mannix was at on January 6th. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the general. He general was right there with the, yeah. like, right beside him. He, 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 he was the old lady with the chair. <laughs> and then Daisy in the way back. <laughs> Daisy, oh man, Daisy has some great lines though. Just the, when they talk about the Lincoln letter while they're eating the stew, and you know he brings up the fact, or Max reveals the fact that it could be fake. John's like, "Is it true?" He's like, "Hell yeah!" And she's like, "Talk that sass, nigga. Talk that sass." <laughs> she's getting a kick out of that. And then he punches her in the face. <laughs> man. Another one she deserved. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. She couldn't just chill out. This sounds like the He-Man Woman Hater Club. Hey, hey, Daisy's not a lady, okay? You, you're you not gonna get Trivia to feel bad about Daisy getting beat up. Facts, honestly. True. I mean, granted, yeah, I did not. I mainly laughed when she when she got hurt. See, like, I was sad when Minnie got shot, but fuck Daisy. Oh, no, that was yeah. Minnie and her friend. Man, yeah, and then what's, what's, what's old girl name? Jenny? I'm like, Jenny yeah. just came back in. Although it did remind me of Laura from um, Django, though, because when he shoots her, she goes flying back. Bruh. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Say bye, Miss Laura. There was, uh, I, re- I rewinded the, that scene a lot because, and I know it's just me being nitpicky, but when he shoots the the black lady that was on the uh, on the little ladder thing with the jar of jelly beans, yeah. Like if you go back and watch that, there's no way that he shot from where the angle was. No way he <laughs> shot the jelly beans and still hit her. Yeah, that's that, that's that's though. It was the same thing with like I don't remember who it was that Samuel L. Jackson shot, but he shot somebody in the chest, and then the because they had two blood bags go off. He sh- he's supposed to shoot him in the chest or in the stomach first, and in the chest. He aims for the chest first, the stomach one goes off, aims for the stomach, and the chest one goes off. <laughs> I think it was when he killed Bob, I want to say. Yeah, it wrong. sounds like Bob. But um, speaking of other characters, though, there are there is some, uh, there's another person in the background here, Joe Gage, a.k.a. Michael oh, Madsen. God. I love his whole story, he though. Was, <laughs> like Simp. Yeah. He was always a little off. But like, what Zero Pussy does to a motherfucker. Man, the scene where John comes to him and he's like, John is basically me in a social setting where it's like, all right, there's a whole lot of people here I don't know. I need to know everything about everyone. And he goes to Joe and Joe's like, well, I just came to go see my mama. And John's like, well, that's clearly bullshit, but I'm going to let it slide right now. And then when he immediately starts taking guns, he goes to Joe first. 
Oh man, uh, which is another great scene because then Major's like, um, you know, um, he takes his gun, and then he's getting ready to grab his other gun, and then uh, Major comes up behind him with the knife and kind of pierces him in the neck, and he's like, "Blink if you calm." Did he blink? <laughs> <laughs> he blinked. Blink if you're gonna remain calm. Did he blink? He blinked. <laughs> See, like, Walter, that's what we're talking about. That is Samuel Jackson. <laughs> yes. And I love it. That's yes. great. Like, if, if, because that's what Samuel Jackson would do in that scenario. I, blink. <laughs> Did he blink, motherfucker? That's funny. He can't see if he blinked or not. Yeah. I mean, true. It made complete sense. <laughs> Blink if you can Blink. It's just if blink if you're gonna remain calm. Did he blink? I love when I love when people can write like uh, scenes like that. That's like I guess it's not really a torture scene, but like scenes where they just got somebody uh, like held like that, and they can write a funny way to make it like interesting when they're doing that. Like there was, I want to say is is one of the Last of Us games uh, where the main characters like got these two people he needs information from. He's got a map. He's okay. You're going to point to this. Y'all are sitting back to back. You're going to point to the spot on the map, and it needs to be the same uh, one your friend pointed to. The first one points him, he kills him. And the second guy's like, What are you doing? He's like, I believe him. And he kills the second guy, too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so kind of pulling in a little further here, um, we get this really big, again, controversial scene between Major and the General as Major tells the story of how he killed the General's son. Oh my gosh. Yo. That was a wild ride that I was not prepared for. That was not Samuel. That was a lot. I was <laughs> waiting for him to say, ha, just kidding me. I was waiting kidding. for Sight the whole time. I was waiting for Sight. <laughs> no, May I tell a quick story? Johnson. <laughs> May I tell a quick story? Go ahead. <laughs> so, just throughout this movie, like, I, I, I really liked this movie the first time I watched it, but I couldn't remember a lot of what happened. But then, like, shortly before things happened, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I remember. <laughs> um, So when he starts talking about, you know, him begging for a blanket, I'm like, oh, I remember what happened. And, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, he's like, you know, and uh, he would do anything, blah, blah, blah. And so... Guess what I had him do? And my girlfriend goes, sucked his dick. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew that she was just saying that because, like, we, we, me and her say stuff like that all the time when we're watching stuff, you know? Um, and I was really trying to hold it to laugh. <laughs> and it didn't click with her what he was. <laughs> Like, oh, no. Until as it was happening, she started going, oh, no. And I just started laughing so hard. So she guessed it? Like... No, she, she just said that. Like, like, we just say stuff like that all the time. Because, like, you know, we'll, we'll act like we're inside the character's head. And so we'll, we'll be like, man, I think you're really hot. Or, like, blah, 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 blah. You, you know, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll just kind of fill in dialogue. And so that's what she was doing. And she had no idea. I was like, <laughs> funny you should say that. Because <laughs> well, cool, that seems like a big fuck you to the general. But you got to really think about how big of a fuck you that is. Because like, not only is he racist, he's got to be super homophobic. And you just put yourself in the shoes of like this general that's like just hates all black people. And this dude's gonna sit here and be like, Yeah, your little white son put my big Johnson in his mouth. Like, man, he was, his soul was 
crushed that whole monologue. <laughs> His face, just the, the greatest face acting in a while. Horrified. Wait, when it showed his son like walking in the flashback, I was like, imagine being him. Man, that, that mm-hmm. sucks. Uh, no, I wouldn't have done it. Do I'd have let him kill me. I'm good. Thanks. I think I'm. I think I would. And I would have shot me. Daisy too. Like first sign of trouble, I'd have shot her in the face. No question. <laughs> knowing, knowing Major's character, <laughs> you probably could have died. You were still sucking his Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> I would At least not I'm dead. Have loved him to be like, yeah, he wanted me to kill him, so I killed him, and then he did it. Oh, man. He he didn't. He knew not to bake for his life. No, he knew that was long gone. <laughs> At that point, I was like, "Oh no!" When so, the only thing long. So, like my little side story, I first saw this movie through Redbox. I didn't. I don't. I remember when it came out, but I didn't watch it when it first came out. So I did watch it a couple months after, maybe like that January when it came on Red. Because I think this movie had a pretty fast like turnaround. It was on Redbox, and it was with my family. <laughs> So yeah, I had to I had to oh, sit through that with both of my parents standing behind me or like sitting behind me watching the same movie and be like, "Well, this is uh, all right, this is happening." This be the last and movie I would expect to be a gay sex scene in it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean yeah, I mean, it's just it's just a really odd scene, and it's just but like it gets the job done because it's like um, well, again, no pun intended. It gets the job done because the fact that he is trying to provoke this man because earlier they do have the little mini meeting of like, okay, well, one of these guys in here is either working the bus her out or they're all working together. And so Major's kind of just knocking people off the board. Also getting just getting extra revenge, which is, I, I find it, that level of pettiness I support. Like, you know, but it's There's just a good climax to that argument. Yeah. Haha, <laughs> 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 climax. Haha. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Bob is playing Silent Night on the background, <laughs> on the piano. The conversation really sucked for the general. <laughs> oh, man. How do we segue from this now? <laughs> I, don't I don't have any more dick-sucking puns. Okay. <laughs> That's my favorite sentence I've said on this podcast. <laughs> oh, man. Again, Gavin's just... Like- the blind, the blind conversation, the blind girl conversation, and I just think about that now, and now I'm thinking about this. <laughs> Wait, what was the blind girl conversation? Remember in Red in, in Red Dragon, we talked about how the blind chick gave the serial killer a blowjob. Oh, <laughs> I got a segue. Oh. Gavin talked about sucking dick. <laughs> I got a segue, Walter. Go ahead. Time for this segment to come to a close. Thank you. Thank put, you. Put like some uh, like You're some welcome. applause noise right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's when we really go on break. It's just you know, <laughs> hang in there. Um. No pun <laughs> okay, but getting into from there, we'll go to chapter four. Domingue's got a secret, and we get Quentin Tarantino narrating for some odd reason, and uh, I do love the fact that like the the general's dead, so Chris just takes his coat. <laughs> he he got his... over that a lot faster than I would. Yeah, he was like, "Don't you mess with the general." <laughs> I expected that to be a big point, man. But nope, he was like, "Well, I'll just take his code and to honor him that way." And then we get the reveal that someone poisoned the coffee, and this is where again, the this is where really the plot kind of really kind of kicks in. And the only person to see it was Domergue, 
or Daisy, I should say. Her name is really weird to say out loud. But anyway, Daisy's the only one to see it, and so she really plays it close to the vest and decides to play the guitar instead. <laughs> and uh, taunts John with the song, and, you know, like you brought up earlier, uh, Gavin, John listens to the song and then immediately <laughs> breaks the guitar. <laughs> Got any more verses? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm he was you feeling asked. it for a little minute there. He was feeling it for a little minute there, and then, you know, he talked about him being dead. <laughs> yeah, I do like the tension in the scene, though, because both John and Obi grab cups, and yeah, they are the first to die, but it's just like, is it, because it doesn't, it doesn't immediately happen, it's, and I think that's what it gets the, the tension going, like, you're just like, are they going to die? Which one's going to go first? And it is Obi just throwing up blood. And I do like the wrestling match they have there between John and Daisy. Like, <laughs> I may be dying, but you're going with me. <laughs> and he probably just, you know, throws up blood all over her and then dies. Oh, oh ah, that. Mm-mm. Maybe because John was like such an asshole for the most part. But when they were, when he was trying to kill her as he was dying, I was, I was kind of in like, oh, fuck, can I talk? <laughs> Instinctually, I was like, "Oh, girl, you better, you better, you better not let him kill you while he's coughing up blood." <laughs> I actually movie. started rooting for her for that small little second. <laughs> wow, only you. There's a lot of really. Good I was surprised too. For me, There's a lot of good payoff in that scene for me. Like there, like <clears throat> I feel like the the piano, Bob playing the piano, was genuinely the only mo- the moment through the movie. Um, when they explained, like, he was like, no, it couldn't have been me. I was playing the piano the whole time. I was like, oh, my God. I was like, he was just sitting there for yeah, no yeah. reason, playing silent. I was like, because I remember when he started playing it, I was like, this is this is weird. Why, why is mm-hmm. he on here? And then he, he explained that, and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I just love how he played it and just kept having to keep starting over. He's like, ding, 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 God damn it!" And then just had to start all over. <laughs> Hey, and then you gotta I think about like playing it because they were gonna die. Yeah. Well, John dies, and then um, immediately Major and Chris decide to line everybody up, <laughs> or so Major lines everybody up first, and then he brings uh, Chris out. Which Chris is like, "What? Why?" And then he's, <laughs> "Well, you're a dumbass. Almost drank <laughs> the coffee, so I know it wasn't you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was seconds <laughs> away from it. I love the fact how after yeah, <laughs> Ob like throws up. Chris first looks up, and then it's when John throws up, and he throws the cup down. He's like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) There's just a lot of good little moments in this movie. But, yeah, we have our three main suspects being Bob, Joe, and Oswald. And Bob is the first one to go after being interrogated because Major pretty much breaks down that one. (laughs) Major did not like Mexicans, and so that prompts him to kill him. And so he thinks Bob is the one that killed Minnie, which is true, or ends up being true. Well, who kills Minnie? Is it Jody or Bob? Bob kills the other girl. And um, Jody Jody killed Minnie. Jody killed Minnie. Bob killed uh, Minnie's husband or whatever. Got it. (laughs) Dude in the chair. Poor sweet Dave. (laughs) And so that leaves two suspects left. Yeah, so that leaves two suspects left on who poisoned the coffee. Do we ever find out who did poison the coffee or... Because right after that, Warren gets it shot was, in the balls. Um, it was Gage. He said it was. Yeah, it was Joe, I think. Yeah, it was Gage. Okay, Joe Gage points the coffee. Yeah, because like you, you get really, you get easily distracted. Because again, we get the shot of Channing Tatum. 
say goodbye to your waffles. <laughs> he gets Warren gets shot oh, in the balls. Man. Oswald gets shot by Chris, or he shoots Chris, and then Chris shoots him back. So now all of our remaining suspects are bleeding on the floor except Joe, who tries to like back away <laughs> right before it ends. Yeah, look yeah. how the and I would have just shot them all. all. Just like fuck it. Yeah, <laughs> Joe was like, I don't have the gun. Everyone's dead. No, it doesn't matter. <laughs> But it's funny because Chris is the whole time is like, I think it was Joe. Joe did it. <laughs> and he's like, ooh, you in trouble now. I'm going to just blow you away. Let me shoot him, Major. Let me shoot him. <laughs> that was my favorite uh, Chris line when he's when he said something about Joe. I think the ugly one did, did it. And that makes yeah. me Joe. <laughs> he was just so. He was like, I was right. <laughs> Oh man, but yeah, I just love the fact again. It's very, um, it's very Reservoir Dogs. If you know that movie, there's a shootout that leaves a lot of our main characters bleeding on the floor and arguing with each other. <laughs> so he does the same kind of trick here. Um, but yeah, we do get our flashback uh, chapter. This is the uh, chapter five, the four passengers, and there we meet Mr. Channing Tatum. Django, we had Jonah Hill, and this one we had Channing Tatum. Um, how does Channing Tatum go for you guys as Jody? Uh, let's start with Xander this time. I feel like part of why he was cast is because he's not given enough time to really be a character. Um, so people could be like, oh, that's Channing Tatum. I'm interested, you know? I, I don't know. He's kind of meh about him, I guess. All right. Zarya? Um, well, most of his scenes... I didn't realize it was him. Like I'm like I'm just studying his face. I'm like I know this man. Well, not that I know this man. I know who this man is, but it's not coming to me. So most of his screen time, I'm figuring out who the actual actor is. It was an it was a pretty cool surprise for me because I didn't I didn't even look at the cast before I even watched. This is my first time watching the movie, and usually I look at the cast, but I didn't even look at the cast as go around. I just wanted to be surprised. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> so because uh, I really don't even remember like this movie being like promoted or i don't i don't remember it it probably was but i don't remember it um but i kind of have to agree with xander like uh he he, like his time there was cool one thing too um i was so so when i was younger i went and saw magnificent seven in theaters with my dad and then i saw like a poster or something for hateful eight i'm like there's a sequel can we go see that my dad was like no (laughs) (laughs) look away son that's a different movie (laughs) yeah yeah no um let's see here uh sheldon yeah you you it really just felt like he was a cameo i agree with them on that um even though his role was pretty integral i mean kicked everything off um Shot Samuel Jackson in the balls. <laughs> <laughs> he did some shit. It's just he's barely he he's barely shown. Really. Alright. And... So there's not much to think about there. Fuck him. I loved him in this role. Yeah, <laughs> 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 uh, I I think Channing Tatum is a really good cameo actor. I, I think which I can only think of two off the top of my head, but the two Channing Tatum cameos, in my opinion, are like some of the best cameos. Like his cameo in uh what was the like the apocalypse movie with all of the uh with all the famous actors in it? 
Oh, uh, th- what was this the is the movie? end. Yeah, his cameo is. Oh. <laughs> I don't even remember he's, that. He's right at the end. He's like he's like a gimp to uh, Danny McBride's character. Uh, right at the end, where he's like he's uh, he's like. Oh, he's, I remember he's that. Kind of like a gimp dog suit. He's like. Uh, trying to scratch up on Danny McBride's crotch and everything, and he's like, "Get the fuck off of me!" Like, uh, but yeah, I one of my favorite things I I love seeing actors in small roles. I, I wish that happened more often because like I get like you get to be a big enough actor and it's like okay, I'm not doing a small role in this movie, but I love seeing actors take small roles in a movie just because they know they could do a small role well. Um, but that being said, Channing Tatum also almost fucked up the end of this movie for me yeah. because whenever he uh was it when did he shoot samuel uh when did he shoot uh major was it at the it's it like way through? it's like halfway through the movie because from there we go through the uh yeah because from there we get to the flashback and the flashbacks about right before they cut to black whenever he shoot him whenever he shot him it, like to me it didn't look like channing tatum so I was like, oh, okay. It, I just thought it was a Hispanic dude because he said something in Spanish before he shot him. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, so there's just a Hispanic dude in the base or in the basement. And then when he came up, I was like, oh, there's another guy down there. <laughs> like, uh, what's going on? <laughs> and then like every like every five minutes after he got up on the floor, I was like, okay, what are we gonna do about that last guy that was down there, guys? Like, <laughs> this, we should address this. Like. And then towards the very end, I was like, so is he just going to kill him? Like, I don't understand. And then it ended. And I was like, wait. (laughs) Doesn't make any sense. That's a whole other twist to a whole other movie, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I like Shady Tato. I I find it surprising how how no one really remembers he's in this movie. Because I remember, like, I do remember the marketing for this movie. And Shady Tatum was all over it. Like, if there's one thing people knew, it was that Shane Tatum was in this movie. But the the mist because he was always in the trailer, like all his scenes are in the trailer, except for him being shot. But he's like they really like they used him for this movie, and uh, I guess for marketing reasons because around this time Shane Tatum's kind of everywhere. But I, I I do remember like people went to go see this movie because they knew it was Channing Tatum or Channing Tatum was going to be in it. And then the whole thing, you know, people were disappointed that he was in it so little. I love it, though. Like, I agree with you, Gavin. I like the fact that it's just a small little cameo thing because he doesn't even last long. <laughs> but he has, like, I, one nice little section. Say, I th- Man. The only character in the movie that said the N-word, and I was like, ooh. Don't oh. do that, <laughs> it, I, it, it sound, Not that it sounded right coming from any of them, but it, whenever Channing Tatum said it, I was like, oh, don't say that. <laughs> that's because he comes from real southern roots you know he's from uh new orleans so it, it kind of it kind of yeah it's in his blood <laughs> i love change it's in his blood i like the fact that he takes a lot of roles that i feel like actors of his archetype wouldn't take like the super like buff pretty boy like i would not imagine like brad pitt in step it up or step up true <laughs> <laughs> just imagine brad pitt in step up I'd be like, surprised if, ja- if Brad, Brad could, like could dance. on Danny McBride's crotch, and this is it. Like, <laughs> taking that role, like, yeah. or um, I'm pretty sure Channing Tatum was in Bullet Train too as a cameo. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I was getting ready to watch that tonight. You just spoiled it. <laughs> <laughs> He's got some oh! cameos, bro. I'm I glad I didn't. Like, I was literally gonna watch He's that not. tonight. He's not in it, Walter. Oh, he's not. Okay, okay. Nah, don't don't even worry about him. 
Okay. Whew. Okay. <laughs> I will say this. Just to kind of move away, though, I will say last thing on Jenny Tatum. I, I feel bad for him now these days. Like, I, I feel like he's, he's a fine actor. Like, he's fine. He's he's not as big as he was. I think he's kind of settled down. But, like, ever since everything fell through between him and Fox and Disney with the, the X-Men, I will, we, were, we were so close to getting Gambit. And I think he would have been a perfect Gambit for what they were doing. And it never, it just fell through. So I really feel bad for him. I just, I just get sad every time I see him or think about him. But he's a really good asset to this movie. I think he steals the show, honestly, in this little midsection where we do see how everything went down. And um, just the fact that they just went to this haberdashery and just raided the place, essentially. They just shot up everybody because they could. Because they had this mission to get Minnie. Mm-hmm. Not Minnie. This, this mission to get Daisy. So everybody else was just kind of collateral. But um, I do like the scene between him and Bruce Dern, though. Just him being like, hey, old man, you shut your mouth. <laughs> you don't say nothing. <laughs> As he walks into the basement <laughs> to hide for like three days. <laughs> Which I, f- I feel like if they didn't leave the old man there, they could have got the- their plan done. Like, Right. <laughs> there's, there's so many steps they could have gone through to actually accomplish their plan. Like, why did they not kill John as soon as he walked in? Right. Like, there's like nobody else. The only people in the building were people that knew about the plan and John. They do mention that uh, True. it was because that Major and Chris were along that they were they didn't they, they the plan didn't go as they hoped so there were two extra people but like there's three of them and like five of you guys. <laughs> Wait, but at that point, Major and Ob go outside to move the bodies, so it's like just kill John and hold him at the door. Like they're not oh, taking no. off. <laughs> nail the door shut. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Use two boards though. There's also another lady in here. Um, she goes by uh, Six Horse Judy. Doesn't really matter, but that actress is just a friend of Tarantino, so she comes up in these movies often. But, you know, she's just weird. I'm from New Zealand, and then immediately dies. All right, so getting towards the end here. Uh, yeah. Let's see here. So, yeah, Channing Tatum. <laughs> so Jody and Daisy get their little reunited scene, and he's immediately shot in the head. <laughs> she screams her butt <laughs> off, and I'm like, oh, that's hilarious. But, yeah, I do like the fact that he just immediately shoots her. He's like, that's what you get, <laughs> you bushwhacking castrator. <laughs> <laughs> that was another one of my favorite details too because like if you watch like uh when john's like literally throwing up blood in her mouth she's just sitting there laughing but she gets like a little blood in her hair from her brother and she's like just like really hard trying to take the blood out of her hair like right for five minutes. man it wasn't just blood she had brain matter in her hair <laughs> hey i'll take blame yeah in my her mouth hair. and laugh well, yeah honestly <laughs> She just has a lot of fluids on her right now. She has the blood mixed with vomit, her brother's brains and blood. Like, she just has a whole bunch of DNA on her. Her own That's blood. not hers. It's a bad time to be alive, bro. <laughs> mm-hmm. Man. But yeah, that, and that brings us to our last chapter, <laughs> Black Man, White Hell. And essentially, they're just bleeding out while still trying to kill each other, which is just... I do like this ending, though, of just Daisy at this point is so desperate to the fact where she is just just going <laughs> to try and make a deal and get her out as best as she can. And uh, <laughs> meanwhile, Major's just sitting on the bed, bleeding out of his crotch. Um, yeah, so she ends up revealing the true identity of everybody. You know, Bob is Marco and everybody else has different names. I didn't like their names, though, so I didn't write them down. 
Um, but I do like the fact that she does tease that there are 15 other gang members, like we said earlier. And uh, just the whole camera movement between her like monologue about, um, you know, going into Red Rock and everything. I do like the fact that the camera just keeps like sliding back and forth as she talks. I just thought that was really cool. Um, but after even after her whole speech, Major just shoots her toe. <laughs> he just shoots her toe <laughs> off. And she's like, ah, <laughs> what the fuck? And then uh, right after that. Do, do, do. Um, oh, Oswald is still alive at this point. <laughs> like he's still he hasn't moved yet, but he gets up to shoot them. But then Major shoots Oswald, and Oswald goes down. Oh, there's all. Oh, Joe is also still alive, and he has the gun under the table, which they kind of teased earlier. But I love the fact that he lifts the gun up, and then immediately he gets clipped by everybody. <laughs> well, yeah, all he had to do is just stand up and shoot. He kicked the he kicked the chair out from under him. He like, did the most, the absolute most. That was a cool not, kick, though. He flung that chair. That was pretty sick. You're not telling me they didn't see that gun hanging from that. That table is not thick enough that you wouldn't see that hanging from the bottom. But yeah, it's just, you know, it's just your normal checkoff gun. I guess it gun. was dark in there. <laughs> well, no, the lighting in this movie is pretty good. <laughs> I love all the lighting That's in this right. movie. Everybody's pretty lit. There's a lot of <laughs> in this movie. It's one of my favorite things um, in westerns is when you're disarming somebody. And they're like, all right, pull out the other gun. Like when Shady <laughs> Tate was in the basement. Yeah. And he's like, I bet he's oh, got I love another that. one. I bet he's got another gun. He said, throw the other one up. <laughs> said, I told you. I don't got another gun. Well, I bet you better <laughs> shit out another gun before I shoot. <laughs> and he throws it up anyway. <laughs> I'd love to think Channing Tatum was just literally pulling a gun out of his ass. He's like, damn it. <laughs> it's, like, it's like that old Man, Wonder Woman meme of where she left the, where, how does she get the sword in her back? And it's just like clenched between her ass. <laughs> Jesus. Like I said, Daisy tries to make a deal, which she, everything she says kind of just feels like nonsense. But I love the fact that Chris kind of just humors her. And so at this point, for some reason, Quentin Tarantino decides to use uh, slow motion. <laughs> And so whenever Major talks, I guess because he's bleeding out the most, he just goes, you oh, going to make me. a deal with this diabolical bitch? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then yeah, we were kind of rolling back to normal that. speed. I was like, what are we doing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I loved it. I was like, yes. This is that is that like that extra level of pretentiousness. And I'm like, yes, give me more. Because it, it kind of bores on camp. But like, it was just really fun. I feel like whenever just he's direct, he's just like, yeah, I can do this. So yeah, <laughs> we'll throw one more in. I love the fact that Chris goes on his own little like, because um, he's literally the last one standing, and he's like, he goes on his whole little again monologue about how he's the smartest in the room, and then he's like, I don't feel so good, and then falls, and so <laughs> Daisy, oh, man. Daisy rips off John's arm to get this gun <laughs> the whole time major's just on the bench like get up white boy come on get up <laughs> he was giving her way too much time like yeah. before he didn't move at all she chopped dude's arm off fucking went all the, got all the way damn near to the gun he what didn't move go at all nuts? What? i don't know man if look if my nuts get shot off, I'm probably good with going anyway. He couldn't but even feel his butt. Like, it seemed like he really wanted to live. I would have thrown myself on that ground I if I was feeling much. the way you was feeling. 
I'm gonna shoot this bitch. Steven would not have gone down like that. No. <laughs> not for Calvin. Not for Mr. Candy. No. <laughs> All right. So at this point, um, Chris does wake up in time and shoots her. But before killing her, Major declares that they hang her instead in honor of John. And so they hang her. I don't know how they like made this mechanism as they're both bleeding out profusely. But they do. Yeah, it. I mean, that didn't make sense to me. How did they tie this intricate <laughs> ass thick noose? Yes. <laughs> did it just have it lying around? Was it on Bob? Was it? Did, did, All they needed was a rope. <laughs> but like well, they, get out. Waddle might have had it. He was the hangman. True. True. Yeah. True. <laughs> true. But um, yeah, the, them. I just don't know where this random strength came from because yeah. both of y'all just. <laughs> out. That's what bugged me too. Right, if he can help Chris pull while he's her pulling, up, he's like all up in Major's crotch. <laughs> yeah, like when they let the tension off, he comes back up from in between his legs. And I was like, I know that shit hurt. Probably uh-huh. went numb at that point, though. Maybe, maybe yeah, the couldn't nerves have died. Mm, I couldn't see that. Mm. But I um, do love the the shot of you can still see John's arm hanging from her. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like dangling there. <laughs> She's just fucking hanging and they're just laughing at her while she's struggling. I did also think it was kind of like, I guess I can kind of see it, but I did think it was kind of weird that Major was like, yeah, we got to respect John's last wishes. Like, you ain't give a fuck about John's wishes this entire fucking movie. We right. do you care about his dying breath? <laughs> but you told alas, him the whole movie, you're an idiot for keeping her alive, bro. Yeah. But alas, we do get this gorgeous image of her just hanging there with the, the severed arm and they end up reading the Lincoln letter one last time before both bleeding out and dying. Oh man, this movie is uh, Yeah, it's kind of the best endings for any of these kind of movies. Just have everyone die. <laughs> I mean, it's only fair. The Mexican in the basement is still alive. Yeah, only person I feel... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> the fact that you think there's a whole other person. There could be. That's probably where all those 15 extra people are at. They're just in the basement. They, they saw Jody go out and was like, maybe we should just stay here. I have expected the very end of it to be um, the black guy that they killed in the, the little storage room outside to like, no. come back somehow. I was like, he's just. Oh, that would be. In. That would be very Tarantino. <laughs> But um, from there we get our the end title card, and that's that's the hateful eight. That's that's the movie. We're gonna do this. We're gonna do it right. Do you recommend the hateful eight? Start with Gavin. Fuck no, no, I'm just playing. Um, <laughs> Could you? Like, this movie is great. Um, I know we kind of skipped over the like the political points of this movie, but I I think if you go into this movie with like. Um, an open mind ready to like accept all of these themes and stuff. I mean, it, it's great the way that they touch on a lot of stuff and in a way that you wouldn't expect a very drawn out Western about these motherfuckers sitting in a small room really <laughs> to play out. But I feel like he did a really good job of <clears throat> writing in all these story themes and everything. And in, like I said, like a setting that's just four walls, you know, for most of the movie. All so right. yes, definitely recommend great movie. All right, and uh, Shelton, do you recommend Hateful Eight? Yeah, I do. I, I got to agree with him on that. The world building and the character development is pretty solid throughout the entirety of it. And really, I don't know, man. I was feeling, I was getting a little disappointed when some people were dying. I was like, damn, you're dead? Damn, you're dead? All right, who I got left? <laughs> oh, look, everyone's fucking dead. 
whole lot of blood. But it was a wild ride, and it, the, the whole time I was, I was just thinking to myself, man, I'm enjoying this like I enjoy Pulp Fiction. Fuck yeah. It just had that same, everything spelt, ugh. for the most part, a lot of things felt very fast, even with its slow moments, like things picked up shortly after. And it just, the whole time, it didn't really skip a beat. And I was working late, too. I was fucking tired, and that shit kept me up, because I just wanted to know what was going to happen. <laughs> so I got to recommend it. Yay. And I, I do want to jump in real quick. With what he said about um, some of the stuff happening fast, I feel like the setting really helps that. Like, it, the the fact that it's in this small, I feel like anything happening, like, as opposed to, like, to like the nothing happening that happens a lot in that movie i feel yeah. like it being in this small room makes anything happening a big deal so when it does actually start popping off like it's it's very intense and entertaining xander what about you heck yeah dude the the thing that i love most about this movie is like with a lot of uh kind of twisty mystery movies it's either like i can pretty easily guess where it's going or it's just like, what is happening? This doesn't make any sense. And th- this one strikes the perfect in-between for me, you know, like where, where genuinely it, you know, I didn't expect all of them to be working with them. Um, and I really didn't know. And, and and I couldn't remember who was who. And for some reason I was like, man, I feel like there's another guy that we we haven't met that's like hiding somewhere. But I couldn't remember exactly. So it was just like getting to kind of relive that mystery over again was was real fun. So definitely recommend it. All right. And Zarya. I recommend it. Um, Xander actually brought up what I was going to say about like how with mysteries, you can either guess it or be really confused even when the answer is shown. Um, Yeah, I have to agree that this is like the perfect like balance of it. Because like for the most part, I knew where the mystery was going and then I was, but yeah, I did not expect for everyone that was there uh, knowing about this, what was going to happen. So yeah, it's a recommend for me. Uh, as for me, surprise, surprise, it's a recommend. I, I just, it remains my favorite Tarantino movie. I can watch this one anytime and be okay with it. Um, it may not be as influential like Pulp Fiction or Kill Bill. Or even as like personally emotional for me as uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I feel like that movie is much more of a celebration. But this movie is just pure fun and entertainment, and also I think there's just some cool things in here. I I think the politics and the stuff that we didn't really get into as much, but they still they're still relevant. Surprise, surprise! But like it's 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 still pretty good. Uh, I think all the performances here are really good. Samuel Jackson. I would say as far as like the best actor acting in this is definitely Samuel Jackson, Jennifer Jason Lee. Uh, I would throw um, whoever played Bob, who I Damien Belch, whatever his name is. I'm sorry, um, Bob, and uh, definitely Walton Goggins as Chris. I would also throw in Channing Tatum. I think Channing, with the little that Channing Tatum gets, I think he does a good job it, with. He's pretty menacing when it it is down to him in general. Um, him and the general i should say but um yeah it's just this this remains my favorite it i think it's a great mystery movie for people wanting to a more uh a more unorthodox mystery which is what this whole little ending series of the year is about and so yeah 
with that being said, thank you guys for joining me. Again, I love this little unique group we have here, our two newbies and our two old timers. Sorry about that. <laughs> Sorry for the wording, but you know, you get it. You get it. Um, you think we're old. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh. what I got. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> See, no. Oh, no, you got me talking politics. No, you're not old. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Um, but, yeah, thank you guys for listening to another episode. Um, we are winding down for the year here as the holidays are setting in and as the murder board will be closing shop for a while. But we have three. We have two more episodes left. Three. Two more episodes left before we end the year. And the next episode I'm also very excited for because, well, the next couple episodes, but. Uh, next week we will be talking about Brick. We're diving into another director spotlight with Ryan Johnson with one of his first films, Brick, which is a. You, you, you stop that! You stop that right now! Drag him! Drag him! <laughs> I love Ryan Johnson, and Brick is the movie that made me love Ryan Johnson. Why? Probably why I did go into the Last Jedi with a lot of hopes, and why I still love oh my that movie. God. So yeah, we're gonna learn about how he approaches. You had to, didn't you? Yes. Never mind. It's fine. It's it's okay. Everything's fine. Happy Friday. <laughs> <laughs> I think you guys are liking. I whoever's on the episode. I Xander's Sheldon. I hope you guys come back specifically. But I think you guys would like this movie. Uh, we got Jenner, we got uh J- Joseph Gordon Levitt and uh Megan Good in this kind of like noir suburban crime mystery. Um, again, but it's Ryan Johnson. You know, the plot's gonna be very twisty. Um, so I, I'm, I'm excited to expose this movie to, to you guys and see how you feel about it. But um, with that being said, we are going to end the night. Good old Mary Todd is calling, a.k.a. my mom. Um, so <laughs> we'll catch you again on the murder board. Do, 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 do.